This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Craig Kopp reporting that the monoclonal antibodies debate has not ended with revoking their emergency use authorization. The next morning I woke up and I'm like, wow, I feel better. <laughs> you know, but anything was better than what I was feeling because the, the congestion in my sinuses was overbearing and the headache and the sore throat. And I mean, it really was just um, it was more than uncomfortable. Was this week's Democratic walkout from the Surgeon General a one off frustration or a sign of things to come? I mean, I think it was just it was a gesture to sort of symbolize their frustration at his at his uh, at the way he was answering the questions, which is essentially he was kind of not really answering them directly and kind of you know going all over the place with in respect to the answers. We'll go in depth with Politico's Gary Finout a little later. And wins may be hard to come by for Democrats in the legislature, but they got a big win on Wednesday night on the softball field. I was hearing some chance of stop the steal, uh, something about the, the game was rigged. Uh, so we'll see. I, I'm, I'm checking my email box every few minutes. The scorecard from this year's King of the Hill softball game is coming up too. But first, the governor is not lightening up on his criticism of the Biden administration and FDA for pulling the emergency use authorization for two monoclonal antibody treatments for early stage COVID. The reason they say side effects and ineffectiveness against the Omicron variant. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis held a news conference in South Florida to blast the move again saying it was just unfair to Florida residents who had already scheduled their treatment appointments. I mean, what they could have said is anyone that's got appointments for the next five days can be honored, or they could say maybe two weeks from now. I mean, I still wouldn't have liked that. But man, to leave people hanging the way they have um, is really, really problematic. And so, uh, you know, we're very much opposed uh, to the way that particularly the thousands of Floridians who were in the system waiting to get treatment um, to them wake up to an email saying that these treatments are now prohibited and tough luck, go, go take an aspirin, that's just fundamentally wrong. That is not the way you treat people uh, in this country. And so we want them to be able to access it. They can take a look at these studies and make their own decisions. And if you believe you have Omicron and you don't believe it'll be helpful, um, then that's fine. Uh, but I think that many people would like to have that option, particularly our elderly population. So we want to make sure that that's the case. But I think it's important just to point out, because, you know, you have state run uh, uh, state run media outlets effectively that will parrot the talking points of the regime. It has not been proven that this does not work against Omicron. It is all based on that one lab study. And the governor brought real-life examples of the treatment's effectiveness. South Florida realtor Scott Fortney, he had symptoms a week and a half ago and immediately got monoclonal antibodies treatment. The next morning I woke up and I'm like, wow, I feel better. <laughs> you know, but anything was better than what I was feeling because the, the congestion in my sinuses was overbearing and the headache and the sore throat. And I mean, it really was just, um, it was more than uncomfortable. Literally Thursday morning I woke up and I could breathe I haven't had any trouble breathing since then. I'm still a little tired. Um, I don't have the, the stamina that I normally have, but I can say without fail, and I don't believe that it's psychosomatic. I mean, I felt so much better, had more energy, um, went back to my desk and started working. Um, I just felt better all around. 
And I will say I kind of have a control group I can share with you is because the person that I live with, she got COVID as well. Elected not to have the monoclonal antibody treatments. She was tested positive the day following. Again, didn't, didn't have the treatment. To this day, she still feels terrible, can't go to work, um, hasn't run a fever anymore, um, just literally feels terrible. And, and I'm here. Nancy and Frank Slaughter were all set to get treatment when they tested positive, but the order came from the FDA stopping them. When we decided that we needed to apply for the treatment, we weren't sure how sick we were going to get. So we signed up for it and were blindsided that we were that we were, that the treatment was canceled. Fortunately for us, we've been able to recover and uh, we, we think we're get it, getting over it. So we think we're going to be fine. But we were concerned about, OK, now what options do we have? What are we going to do next? Can we get uh, antivirals or something like that? Or we do we just have to wait to get sick enough to go to the hospital? So that was our dilemma. And fortunately, our outcome is uh, pretty good at this point. So we, we think we're fine. But uh, we were really disappointed when. Uh, when there was short notice cancellation yeah, of the MAD treatment. Governor DeSantis pointed out that supplies of this treatment are there. It's just illegal to provide them. This stuff now is just sitting there. We don't have anywhere near enough of the citrovimab. No, we don't. Uh, some of these other things, I mean, you know, the, the FDA approved this Merck pill. And honestly, uh, you know, you look at that data, yikes, yikes. And yet that is going and they're pushing um, and yet this, they're somehow, you know, kind of going to war with. I, w- I wonder what's so special about this that they're doing this. Um, so it's just sitting there. And you're hearing from people in real life who who've this Omicron wave have had been infected, got it, and did better. You hear from uh, clinicians who are applying this to patients and having good results. Now, if you did a clinical trial, who knows what percentage the efficacy with Omicron? I, I, I don't know. I can't tell you that. But I can tell you when I see patients, when we have reports from our medical people saying patients have done well with this yeah. in this current Omicron cycle, uh, I'm going to put weight into that and want to help other people. And I'm not just going to say, OK, because there was one lab based study in vitro that therefore we just have to turn a blind eye to what's actually happening in the real world. The walkout of Senate Democrats from a committee confirmation hearing for Florida Surgeon General Joseph Latipo reverberated outside of Florida. Senate Democratic leader Lauren Book landed on CNN. It is terrifying that we are in a place and in a state where this is the top doctor in the third largest state in the country or hopes to be once confirmed. Um, He could not answer any question straightly or squarely, whether it was related to vaccines, mask wearing, or whether or not he regretted um, really putting our colleague, Senator Polsky's health and safety at risk by not wearing a mask as she was a cancer patient undergoing cancer treatments. Um, The list really does go on and on. We came prepared and he simply was not having it and not answering any of the questions. Book called Latipo's performance beneath the dignity of the Florida Senate. We asked about other outbreaks that the state has had. We talked about other issues related to HIV, um, minority communities. Again, got a lot of niceties, a lot of 
verbal jujitsu and got no real answers to the questions that we were posing. And quite frankly, it was beneath the dignity of the Florida Senate. He was making a mockery of what we were doing and there to do. And that's why we decided to walk out on that vote, because at the end of the day, we had a lot of work to do and wanted to get to, that, get to those, those issues that were in front of us. Sunrise caught up with political reporter Gary Finout as he waited in the halls of the Capitol for a Senate floor session to start and asked him if the Democratic walkout signals anything bigger than just frustration with the Surgeon General's interview skills. Well, what it's what it states is that the Democrats were frustrated and Democrats don't have the votes to block the confirmation, which will ultimately be going before the whole Senate. And I think what you saw happen yesterday is indicative of where the Republicans in, in the Florida Senate are on this matter. They are, at this point in time, they're not going to uh, get crosswise with the governor on this issue. And I think that, um, you know, I think probably a lot of Republicans uh, probably feel that this is the governor's appointment. And uh, provided that uh, Dr. Lodico has uh, the qualifications required under law, which he does, then they're probably not going to put up a lot of uh, resistance to it. So then that leaves the Democrats, you know, deciding to go go at it alone, and they are in the minority. And so, you know, so that stage of walkout, which, you know, means that there's no debate. They, they didn't debate his, his, his confirmation. Um, I'm sure that uh, maybe at some point in time in the next committee or on the full uh, Senate floor that perhaps there will be debate. But, you know, at, at this point in time, that's, uh, I mean, I think it was just it was a gesture to sort of symbolize their frustration at his at his uh, at the way he was answering the questions, which is essentially he was kind of not really answering them directly and kind of you know going all over the place with in respect to the answers. So no big picture. Uh, this is the Democrats are giving up here. This is just an indication of they understand that they've got very little going on this session. What I would tell you is, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that Governor Ron DeSantis is, uh, has a great deal of sway right now. Uh, he is a very popular with the Republican base. Now mentioned as a potential 2024 contender. There are not a lot of things that you're going to see legislators do to directly challenge the governor. And I think it's kind of interesting as we look at all this, is just last week, the governor offered up a reapportionment plan, actually a redistricting plan for Congress that the Senate did not take up. And they passed their own plan off the floor last week. So in that instance, you see, well, there's an example of where they made a decision, a conscious decision to say, no, we're going to do what we want to do on this matter. And we're not going to take the governor's recommendation. Now, we'll see how that plays out over the next few weeks. Um, but, you know, the thing is, is that for legislative leadership, the things that they're concerned about right now are redistricting, the budget, and some of the other priorities that uh, Senate President Milton Simpson and House Speaker Chris Foles have. And now, in some instances, those those priorities align with the governor. Um, they are clearly moving a bill dealing with uh, critical race theory. Um, they are clearly moving... Uh, bills that deal with uh, abortion. So there are things that where they are in alignment with the governor. Now, I would tell you that for the rest of the session, there are several items to watch. Uh, the governor has a proposal to create his own uh, separate 
kind of state militia, state national guard uh, idea. That 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 idea is out there, and um, we'll see how that how that plays out. The governor wants to create a standalone uh, unit in the Department of State to go after election law violations. Uh, that has not been warmly embraced. Hasn't been rejected, but it hasn't been warmly embraced either by the legislation. So there, there are, what I would say is that, so you probably have Republicans who are probably going to pick their battles with the governor. There are going to be things that they are not going to agree with him 100% on. But with the nomination of Dr. Latipo, I don't think we have to speculate. We know that, that was a, that's important to the governor. I mean, the governor yesterday called him a superstar at a press conference. So clearly the governor is very much, uh, you know, supportive of his own nominee. And I think, you know, I think I'm, 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 I, I would say that probably for the leaders, they recognize that. And so for the Democrats, this is the same thing that they've been dealing with for years. Where can they make inroads? Where can they uh, have sway? And frankly, it's in limited places. There are... You know, proposed constitutional amendments require supermajority. Certain types of bills dealing with public records require supermajority. Things of that nature. They have the votes there to to affect the outcome. Um, but in most issues, the Republicans can do whatever they want, <laughs> and so the Democrats can you know they can kind of talk about it and they can make uh, you know speeches and they can debate it and they can criticize it, but it's. It's just a matter of will that convince the, the Republicans to change course? I mean, we we just had to, we, you know, if you recall, we had a special session in November dealing with vaccine mandates. And the Democrats were uniformly against the bills that were up. It didn't matter. They all passed. On the redistricting angle, what is influencing the Senate to not go along with what the governor is proposing? Because it's my kind of understanding that the governor's under pressure from higher up in the national party to, you know, draw those lines for Republicans. Uh, I, I'm not sure I would use the word pressure. I would use the word encouragement. And you've got people on the, in the national scene who want the Republicans to be more aggressive in Florida. What I would say with the Senate, it would appear that the Senate leadership is eager to do this as quickly and as smoothly as possible. Uh, for your listeners who, who are unaware, the last redistricting process was quite contentious, and it, there were multiple lawsuits on different maps. And ultimately, the Supreme Court of Florida wound up picking the new map. And because they found that uh, there was evidence that the process had gone uh, against the law, had, that the legislature had violated the rules that were passed by voters related to resistance. So uh, there appears to be on the Senate side a, a genuine desire to avoid the same kind of pitfalls. From everything I can tell, the governor's decision to... Uh, submit his own proposal, which, <clears throat> understand, has not been done by either Governor Bush or by Governor Scott in the last two go-rounds, I think that was quite surprising to everyone here uh, who's been involved in the process in the legislature. Were you at the governor's uh, campaign press conference yesterday? 
Yes, I was. The marijuana smell issue. There's just a question in my head. He said that when you go to states where they've legalized marijuana, the smell is putrid. What kind of events is the governor going to in other states that have legalized marijuana where people would be smoking it? I have to confess I didn't get a chance to ask that as a follow-up question. Uh, I mean, literally, the question came out of he was having a, he's being endorsed by the Florida Police Chiefs Association. And so the question had to do with his thoughts on legalization, especially since two of his Democratic uh, challengers, Keith Lee and Charlie Cruz, are in favor of legalization. And so he, you know, he gave an answer in which he kind of suggested that he was okay with uh, decriminalization, that he didn't think people should go to jail for uh, possession, but he also indicated that he was not supportive of legalization, full-blown legalization, and then he gave that answer about the smell. So I'm, I'm as, I'm not completely aware of what prompted that answer. Gary, find out. Really appreciate the time today, and I hope we'll catch up with you sometime further down in the session. Thank you so much for having me on. Here's some of what's happening in Florida politics today. The Florida Senate's scheduled to hold a floor session this morning at 10. Also, the Florida Board of Psychology will meet this morning. The Revenue Estimating Conference will hold an impact conference this morning. That involves analyzing potential costs of legislation. Democratic gubernatorial candidate Annette Tadeo, a state senator from Miami, will take part in an online fundraising event for the Lake County Democratic Party. That happens on Saturday. And a shout out to all who tipped their legislative bartenders well at this year's Red Dog Blue Dog Bartending Competition. Organizers had hoped to double last year's take for animal welfare of nearly 10 grand. Done. And done. And done some more. This year's final tally $59,239. Finally, a big win for the Democrats in Tallahassee Wednesday night, 14 to 2 to be exact, not in a committee hearing, but on the softball field as Republican legislators took on Democrats in the annual King of the Hill softball game. Miami Democratic Representative Michael Greco says it's been a while since the Democrats put one in the win column. So based upon uh, my my uh, my research, I believe the last time the Democrats won in uh, Republican versus Democrat softball was before the invention of the color television. <laughs> uh, come on. For reals. I, I, mean, I can tell you, nobody remembers the last time the Dems won. I, I've, I've been here for four years. It has been a very painful three years and 364 days. Day to day, we don't have many wins on, on our side of the aisle in the back, in the, back of the house. And uh, it feels good once once in a while to taste victory. So it was a, it was relatively sweet. I was going to say a win is a win is a win. So, uh, listen, man, there's there's a lot of cooperative uh, legislation that goes through the the redistricting process has been pretty pretty collaborative. Uh, so I you know people read and and listen to and watch about the the few houses that are on fire up here. But you know generally speaking, we all get along. And it was actually a lot of fun last night, but the, the, they've been giving us a hard time for years and they know to give me a hard time because I, I'm kind of like the gym class hero on our, of our, our, our side of the aisle. So I, I'm happy that I was able to, uh, recruit, recruit a few good candidates that actually knew how to swing a bat. Just a couple of things. So it was 14 to two and I heard you had a 10 run third. 
Uh, yeah, the uh, it, it started out. Uh, they were up first. They they scored a run. I got very nervous very quickly. I started. I have like PTSD from previous years, and uh, we were able to shut them down. And uh, yeah, we we ran through the the lineup a few times, and uh, it was uh, it was fun. It was really fun to be a part of. So real quick here, you mentioned it sounds like recruiting was part of your secret. No ringers here, right? Well, when you say ringers, no, no. Everybody on the field is, is an elected member of either the House or the Senate. Um, one is as recently as two weeks ago, we were able to uh, import uh, Daryl Campbell, who was just recently elected in a special election to replace Bobby DuBose. Um, and according to the Secretary of State, he's a state representative, even though he's not technically been sworn in yet. Uh, Andrew Learned was another one who reached out to me during his campaign for my support, and I told him it was contingent upon his ability to play softball. So we did pretty well in the draft. And, uh, you know, listen, we only have 52 members to choose from between the House and the Senate. They've got double that. So uh, I'm pretty proud of what we're able to put together with, with the limited resources. I love getting Daryl in there. Uh, <laughs> there's just something about he's not seated yet, but he's officially elected. So end of story. That's right. I, I, I will tell you, there were some uh, there were some rumblings by some of the some of the Republican colleagues that they were going to file a protest. That bylaws were being rewritten uh, toward the end of the game. I don't know who writes said bylaws, but uh, I was hearing some chance of stop the steal. Uh, something about the, the game was rigged. Uh, so we'll see. I, I'm, I'm checking my email box every few minutes. Oh, geez. Let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Greco, congratulations, sir, and thanks. Thanks. Have a good one, buddy. That's it for today's edition of Sunrise. I'm Craig Kopp. Join us again Monday as we do another daily dive into Florida politics.